Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and assail by the living word of God I shall prevail standing on the promises of God standing 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 on the promises God my Savior standing 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 on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternal by a love strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing. On the promises, God my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises, cannot fall, listing every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. Brother Terry. Thank the Lord for the promises. Father, we do come thankful for the promises that you have made in your word. So many promises, including the fact that you will be with us to the end of the age and to administer and serving in your name. And we pray, Father, that that will be true in our church and of the many other churches who are serving you in this community and around the world. And that great things will happen as a result of seated rock of ages my god is the rock and my refuge good old song rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee let the waters and the blood from the in the devil cure, save from wrath and make me pure. 
not of labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands these for sin cannot atone thou must save and thou alone in my hand no price I bring simply bring the cross I cling while I draw my Final breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown, and behold the earthly throne, rock of ages left for me, let me hide myself in thee. Brother George. Thank you for that, uh, those nice words, Pastor. I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, I <clears throat> this morning I was trying to reach a, a, uh, a people who may not be sure of their salvation, may not be saved, may be uh, questioning their salvation and... Uh, uh, Sometimes we, uh, uh, a message like that has to soak in a little bit deeper, kind of like the spring rain. And, uh, but uh, my prayer is that people won't procrastinate too long, you know. She said, procrastination is the cause of all my sorrow. I don't know what that word means. I'm going to look it up tomorrow. Uh, that's kind of where a lot of people are. Sometimes they just keep kind of kicking the can, the can down the road a little bit. Uh, but uh, tonight I've, I've, I want us to get into something that uh, uh, has been on my heart for a long time and uh, I'm still trying to sort all these things out. You know, I, I don't think that... Uh, that we'll have uh, uh, God's will for our life and, and the, His Word for our life and living, I don't think we're going to have it all figured out. Do you, Pastor, do you think we'll have it all figured out? <laughs> uh, but it's our duty to be students of this Word, to be, to be in God's Word. And... Uh, that's how the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, and directs us in this life that we live. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some scriptures tonight that, uh, to me, are speaking loud and clear of something that uh, I hope we haven't missed in our order of church. Uh, this is not something that happened in the last 50 years, or even 100 years, or maybe even 300 years. Something that has been passed down and this, this, these things we do and these things we consider uh, doctrines of the church and these ordinances of the church, all of these kind of things, uh, we, uh, we sometimes stumble over them. And so uh, 
I want us to look at something that is much more important than those things. And that is the gift. The gift. Now I know that some of you probably are already at Romans 6.23. But I'm not going to go there tonight. We're going to go to another gift. Which brings on that 6.23 gift. Could somebody quote me Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death, but the what? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, that's a gift. But that gift is brought on by something, another gift that we are given. And I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Excuse me, Ephesians 2, 5 and 9, 3, 7 and 8 is what we look at. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. My Bible in parentheses has, by grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. What a gift. What a gift. So I have to ask myself, what is grace? And we're going we're gonna to finish this message with that idyllic picture of what grace is. But I want to bring you through this process of that, that he is talking about here. And uh, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. Pastor? All three of you pastors have probably heard this. I hope that some of you have heard it. The old preachers used to say you got to get them lost before you can get them saved. And so sometimes we preach about salvation, 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 and somebody will voice sitting out here saying, well, you know, I'm good as old Joe Blow over there. <laughs> but you see, you have to understand what condition we are in Without Christ, we're rotten fruit. We're as desirable, we're as useful as rotten fruit. We're depraved, total depravity. That's a doctrine in the Bible. Total depravity. We, don't, we have nothing to offer. The only thing that we might have to offer would be the wraps from our leopard-infected body that are just seeping with mucus and pus and stench. And you say, well, I'm going to give God something. He doesn't want it. So uh, what I want us to see is we go through this process 
And then instead of telling you what grace is up front, I want us to see how God's grace issues us from this total depravity to at, at the end, a person that is being challenged by God. I love this. I love to be challenged by God. Grow a little bit, he says. I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. Grow a little bit. I'm happy right here in the nest. But God keeps pushing us and keeps building us and growing us and encouraging us all along the way. And so I want us to see something in there. Now I want us to go over here uh, in chapter 3, and I want to read this again, just to reintroduce you to the fact that this gift is grace. Uh, Look what it says in chapter 3. Uh, 3 verse 7 and 8 wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift (laughs) according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, this grace that God gives us, and I, the acrostic that I've always used for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And, and, it, and it implies, we, we, we receive so many things from God in His grace. Now we're going to want to show you here in just a few minutes but before we do, uh, probably the best manuscript ever written, bar none. You can put Shakespeare, you can put whatever you want up beside the book of Romans, and they pale in comparison. It's pretty easy to see that God was using Paul as an instrument in writing this book of Romans. And, and I want to show you some of the, some of the little things that you see in the book of Romans that guide us through this. It's in three different sections, the book of Romans. The first thing we see is the depravity of man, and then man is uh, all the way over here to about chapter 5, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, he's justified, and then all of a sudden there's no condemnation, no separation. And then we go into the, he he goes then and explains to the Israelites, well now listen, you're not left out. God's still got, if you think the Jews have been forgotten by God, you're wrong. And and I'm, I'm certainly glad that our last president was instrumental in doing something that Many presidents before him promised and never did, and that was move the capital of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. (laughs) And, And I don't want to get political about this, but listen to me. God's not finished with the Jews, and we better be friends with them. (laughs) Amen. We better be on their side because God's on their side. And so, uh, I, I, I want us to, to, to see then that after that, in the very last part of the book of Romans, uh, 
Oh, we can quote that chapter 12 of the book of Romans, that first five verses there. Uh, And it is when God is challenging us. (laughs) You know, make yourself a living sacrifice for God. Not a dead sacrifice. God doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants you alive. He wants you doing something for Him. He, he, he wants you to be a living sacrifice over there in, in chapter 12. And so that's the, this book of Romans. But I want us to see something that is very important. And if we turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, we're going to see the, the therefores of the book of Romans. The therefores. And uh, as many... Uh, uh, hermeneutical preachers have uh, learned uh, when you see the word therefore you look to see what it's there for <laughs> uh, and it's usually a summation of something and so there are three of these therefores that we're going to look at one of them is in chapter 3 verse 20 It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. All we know is that I'm a condemned sinner. You know what the law does for you? And I'm saying this because sometimes we begin to get friendly with the law. We begin to get friendly with what I do. Instead of who I am. And so, uh, what does the law tell you? The law tells you kind of like my grandpa used to tell. You know, us boys would get in trouble and we'd say something to our grandpa, Papa Frank, who lived with us. Hey, Papa, would you go to Dad? You know, it's my dad's dad. Would you go to Dad? and say, He said, you're in a heap of trouble, boy. <laughs> You know, there wasn't wasn't any compassion from Papa Frank. That's what the law does. You go to the law and he says, can't help you, you're in a heap of trouble. (laughs) And so we need to understand that, that that, uh, that's what the law, it does. We we see this uh, in in, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, but then chapter 3, verse 23 is one of those verses that we can all quote. For some of us have sinned, or excuse me, some of you have sinned. <laughs> no, we've all sinned. I'm glad you guys know that verse of Scripture. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wow. Now we could go into the glory of God and we could spend all night on the glory of God. But we've sinned. And we are rotten fruit. We are depraved. We, there's nothing that we have that we can offer God. And so here we find man condemned to die because of his uh, unruly. But I want you to see the glimmer of hope even in verse 24. Right below verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Even in there, we are condemned to die. 
We're on death row. We're just a few more heartbeats away and bam, we're dead. And when you die, you're either absent in the body and present with the Lord or you're in hellfire and damnation. I like what Steve told me tonight when he came in. He said, give him heaven tonight, George. <laughs> That's giving them heaven. See, uh, we, we, we are condemned, we're worthless, we're, we're worth nothing. And if we begin to look at ourselves in that light, then we begin to get excited when this grace comes trickling down. And look what it says in 5.1, the second therefore. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace. You see, God has a great treasure house. In the Old Testament, it was a segula. And this segula was where the king kept all of his precious treasures. The things that were the most precious to him. His jewels and his, the king's crown and all of those things he kept in this, this one place. And God just throws the doors open wide. And he says, have at it. It's all yours. <laughs> it's all yours. Just take what you need. Take it all. What? There's many more. It's just coming day by day. And so uh, we see this great, wherein as we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's that glory of God again. God will glory in us. So what is there about this that in chapter 5, that really opens your eyes. It's the five much mores in chapter five. There are five much mores. And when you listen to these, you begin to see how God is in all of this. Look at the first much more in verse nine. Chapter five, verse nine. Much more than being now justified by His blood, you see, what we find in Romans chapter 5 is therefore of justification. We have the, justi- we have the therefore of condemnation. We're condemned. But now we have the therefore of justification. That's a difficult word unless you just say it like this. Justification is just as if I had died. That's what justification is. Jesus died in atonement for my sins. And it was just as if I had died. That's how we get justified. By Jesus' death on the cross. And then not only that, but look at all of these much mores that we read in here in chapter 5. And... He says, much more than now being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. So how are we saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's what He's talking about here. Jesus dying on... 
We're justified by Jesus' death on the cross and his shed blood for ourselves. But then look at the second much more. Verse 10. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's an Easter message, isn't it, Pastor? (laughs) You see, he died on the cross. But now all of a sudden we're reconciled to him by his life. Not his death on the cross, but because he lives. Isn't that awesome? And we see this in this much more. This is our justification. Then we go down here to verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many are dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. Jesus didn't just die for this person or this person or this person. He died for all of us just like when Adam sinned, his sin nature was in all of us. And now all of a sudden the salvation, it's for all of us. It's freely, freely given. Then I want you to see the fourth much more, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life By one Jesus Christ. He's sitting on the the throne. Here. He's sitting on the throne. And then we want to see here. Verse 20. Moreover the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abounded. Oh this is such a beautiful verse. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Every time the Razorbacks would get ahead, here would come the team right ahead and get ahead of them. And every time that they'd get ahead, the other team would come and get ahead of them. That's exactly what happened with, with this sin. Every time sin thinks it's got a, hand, a hold on your heart and your life and is trying to destroy you, then grace, God's grace does much more abound. So, there we find those five much mores in chapter 5. And that is, from, we went from condemnation to justification, just as if I had died. But now we're going to go to the third no condemnation. Or no, uh, therefore, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore... Now, no condemnation which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. All of a sudden, folks, now listen to this. We are not duty-bound. We're bound by the Spirit. Twenty-two times, and I'm not going to read them all. I'm not going to read that whole chapter. But I, I wish you would. And I wish you'd do what I did in my Bible And that's circled every time the word spirit. 22 times and 18 of those times, it is the capital letter S, which means what? The Holy Spirit. 
You see, we're all this, we have come from a worthless, rotten fruit, stinking, putrefying, and now we're a glorious thing because the Holy Spirit is in us, leading us and guiding us and moving in us. Uh, so, uh, wow. And not only do we find in chapter 8, no condemnation. If you go to the end of that, you'll find no separation. What can separate us from the love of God? Is there anything that can... He, and He exhausts. He exhausts any possibility. I love it at the very end. He says, even those things you can even dream up. <laughs> I think that was your words, Pastor. One time I listened to this message and I thought, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> he covers it all. Even what you can dream up. If you can come up with some great idea or something the way that you can be separated from the love of God, He's got that covered. <laughs> Isn't that grand? We could stop there and it would be grand, but there's something better waiting for us. You see... What I, what I really want us to see tonight is that the only one, there's only one who has a right to judge us in our sins. Not the Pope. He talks a lot about it, but he doesn't have that right. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Just so you don't get mistaken about who this is. It's Jesus, the Son of God. It's not just any Jesus. It's Jesus, the Son of God. It's not the Pope. It's not someone else. It's, it's Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You see how this is all fitting? that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. My friends, you know what we need? We needed it back here when we were rotten fruit. We need it now that we have been created, recreated, a new creation, and the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us, emboldening us, uh, helping us to understand and know things that we would never understand otherwise. Because we have a Savior that sits upon a throne. And that Savior sitting upon a throne, my friends, you know what that means? Sin 
no more rains. <laughs> grace, 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 grace rains. <laughs> oh man, makes you want to jump up and click your heels. <laughs> or not. <laughs> all right, I told you. Now that we've said all of that, and we've put this thing called grace in here. Grace is a picture word. It means to stoop or bend. And I thought, what? Grace means to stoop or to bend or condescending favor. This is the picture. The king is passing by. You're a quadriplegic. The crowds are all moving close to see the king and, and, to, and, to, and to maybe even get him to see them and to see him. And you're being trampled by the crowd and you're on the ground. And the king stops right in front of you. And he gets out of his parade car. And he comes over and he stoops down to where you are and he lifts you up. Isn't that amazing? That's grace, my friends. Condescending. The favor is coming down to you right where you are. You don't have to do anything. You can't do anything. You're crippled. You're blind. You're lost. Our blind Bartimaeus was this man. He was there to see Jesus. And no one would let him in. And he was way back in the crowd, forgotten. And Jesus stopped. And knelt down and got him. Right where he was. Now I'm going to paraphrase a whole book of the Bible in about two minutes. But it is the most beautiful picture of grace that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. It comes from a book in the Bible where I am told, I didn't know this, back in the olden days, the old preachers would say that a Preacher shouldn't preach out of this book until he was at least 60 years old. Terry already knows where I'm at. <laughs> the Song of Solomon. And the reason they would say that this man need to be 60 years old is I guess because he could see it for what it really was. True. True love. Not a sexual connotation but a true love. This is the story. There's five, and, and uh, Schofield, I think, says there's 13 songs in this Song of Solomon. I'm not a theologian, and I don't know. But this is the story. When you put all these pieces of this puzzle of the Song of Solomon together, this is what is, it is happening. A Shulamite girl just from nowhere, no heritage, no family, no nothing, 
Her whole job is just to tend the grapes. And the vineyard is, belongs to King Solomon. And King Solomon would come up to his vineyards. And sometimes they would be in a caravan going from Jerusalem to Damascus. And they would pass by in the, in the road, in the big road of, these, of this great vineyard. And all the workers would go out to see the king as he passed by. Oh, what a spectacle it was. He's in this, this coach uh, carried by these horses that are trimmed and beautiful, and more beautiful than you'd ever seen. And the smell of frankincense and myrrh just would, the aroma would just float all the way around. And, and this Shulamite girl came and looked through the lattice to see the king. But the king saw her. And he started to mention something to her and she got afraid. She's very timid and ran away. So the king devises a plan. He comes back as a shepherd boy. And I like that one verse in there where she says, you know, he comes disguised as a shepherd boy and she says, where do you keep your sheep? <laughs> I mean, I've seen you three or four days now and I don't, haven't seen any of your sheep. <laughs> but he comes back as a shepherd boy and she's not afraid of him because he's on her level. And you know the story, they fall in love. And he espouses himself to her and he tells her, I'll come back one day. I'm going to go, which was common in, in the Jews, to go and to make themselves away, build a house, and then I'll come and get you and we'll be married and you'll live with me. And here she is, probably writing in her diary, oh, I'm so in love with the shepherd boy. He is... He's so kind and he's so beautiful and he and and, and she's saying all of these things and she's waiting for him to come. And then one night she hears a ruckus outside. The lights are all over and here comes the king. But guess what? The king is the shepherd boy. You see how God, you see, this, you see this picture? God, we're afraid of God. The fear of God is beginning of knowledge. We, 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 don't, we don't know. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, down on our level to be a shepherd to us in hopes that we fall in love with Him because one day, my friends, Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes, he'll be a king. <laughs> you see that? Isn't that a beautiful picture of grace? You see, the Shulamite girl didn't have anything. No diary, no nothing. She didn't have anything to give to a king. <laughs> but he didn't need anything from her. He wanted to give something to her because he loved her.
And I want you to know before you go home tonight, whether you're a young boy sitting on the second pew or whether you're an old man sitting back in the fifth or sixth pew, God loves you. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gives his riches to you freely. Isn't that a, isn't that a beautiful thought? Uh, I wrote a thing down here, and I'll finish here with this. Love that looks up is worship. Love that looks outward is affection. Love that stoops down is grace. Isn't that a thought? Let me pray and we'll be closed. Father, I thank you tonight for the opportunity, Lord, just to open your word. and Oh, what rich, beautiful stories and what rich, beautiful uh, things you have in store for us, Lord. And I just pray tonight that as we go through these things that uh, there'll be treasures that even in the hard days that'll get us through because grace reigns on the throne. And Lord, you're that grace. Now, Father, I just uh, thank you for uh, this day that we've had. I just pray, Lord, that as we go into the week that we'll have some fuel to, to get us to Wednesday night. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, if there's someone this morning that heard that message, someone, Lord, that uh, is you're working with, you're, you're, you've got them in conviction, Lord, that they'll not let their heart get hardened, Lord, but that they will they'll soften, let the clay get softened, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for our pastor and, and his wife and their leadership of this church. We just ask you, Father, to, uh, to keep, keep their health as it has. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, they'll ha- lead this church for many more years. And now, Lord, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, pastor, are you going to do some announcements or are we through?